Father, I just come before you in my weakness, Lord, knowing that your strength is made perfect in weakness. And Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit, who is already here, abiding in your people, would open our ears to receive the word of God by faith, and that you'd open my mouth, you'd give me a special anointing of grace to preach your word with power in the Holy Ghost, and that you would take your word and do with it what only you can do. I pray that you'd save people today. I pray you'd encourage believers. I pray that you'd change the course of, of people's lives by this word today, because your word is life, and your word is power. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. The title of this message today is Risen with Him. Risen with Him. And I think if I would have a subtitle, it would say, it would be, We Need You, Thomas. We Need You, Thomas. Praise God. Mark 16, 9. Please stand for the reading of this first scripture and in honor of the Word of God. Mark 16, 9. Now, when he rose early, on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Please be seated. So Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, uh, the day after Sabbath, which was Sunday. This is why churches celebrate. Uh, we worship on Sunday. The Jews worship on Saturday, which is the Sabbath. But we worship on Sunday. Why? Because he's risen. This is the greatest event in all of history was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus choose Mary Magdalene with this high honor to be the first to see him after his resurrection? She was first at the tomb before sunrise, and she saw the stone rolled away. Listen, the angel didn't roll away the stone so that the risen Christ could come out of the tomb. For we know that when he visited his disciples, he walked right through their walls and their locked doors. He didn't need the angel to roll away the stone for him. The stone was rolled away so the disciples could see and witness the empty tomb. It was so they could come in and get a glimpse and say, see, he's not here. He's risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's risen. Praise God. Praise God. Mary when she came after Peter and John had ducked their heads in and looked and seen the napkin and, and the, the face napkin in a separate place and the grave clothes uh, folded and laid aside, and then they, they, went, they went back home, it says. John, it says, he believed, but I think Peter was still in unbelief. So they went home and Mary stuck around. And she's, she's by the tomb. She goes back to the tomb and she looks in the tomb and she sees two angels Two angels, they speak to her. Listen, wouldn't that be the testimony of your life if you saw an angel or two? Wouldn't you be like, this is incredible. I saw an angel. I saw two angels. It was incredible. Not for Mary. All she could think about was Jesus. Angels didn't matter to her. All she could think about was, was where was Jesus? Praise God. Mary, I believe, was a bummer lamb. She was delivered from seven demons before, before, when she came to Christ, Jesus cast seven demons out of her. Who knows how broken her past life was, how much rejection was in her life. If, if you remember last Sunday's sermon about the bummer sheep, it's that one sheep that's rejected by the mother. 
and then it's rescued. It's, it's, it's saved by the shepherd, and the shepherd comes and shows it love and cares for it, and that bummer sheep bonds to the shepherd, rejoices at his voice, jumps up and down with joy. When the, bummer, when, when the shepherd, when it hears the shepherd's voice, when it sees the shepherd, Mary was like that. She was a bummer sheep. She had been forgiven much, and she loved much. That's why she couldn't leave the tomb. She looked in. She heard these, these angels speaking to her. Verse, John chapter 20, verse 13 says, Then they said unto her, this is the angel speaking to her, why, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Don't, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to the brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Listen, this had to be the hardest thing Mary ever heard in her life. She had just gone from the greatest heartbreak to the greatest relief and joy. Jesus' dead body was missing, and now he's standing in front of her, alive, speaking to her. What could she have wanted more than to embrace Jesus and hold on to him, just to cling to him and weep at his feet? Jesus, you're alive. But he said, don't cling to me. Not yet. Mary, don't hold on to me. Not yet. I have to finish the work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to appear to my disciples, but then I'm going to ascend to the Father. And then I'm going to pour out the Spirit of God, the promise of the Father. Then you can cling to me. Then you can cling to me. Friends, you know what? Now is the time to cling to Jesus. Yes. Now is the time to cling to him. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. What was he talking about? He's talking about after he ascended, he would pour out the Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of God is not a separate entity. He's, he's the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of the Father. He's a, he's a distinct personality, but there is no division in the, in the Trinity of God. The Spirit of Jesus reveals Jesus to us. And when he said, I won't leave you orphans, I'll come to you, he was talking about his presence through the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. How, how could Jesus be closer to believers than to be in our hearts, to be in our spirit? You know, the scripture says, whenever two or more gathered together, Jesus said, there I am in the midst. That's what he's talking about. He says, when you're gathered together, I'm with you by my spirit. He's saying, now you can cling to me. Cling to me. Hold to me. Praise God, but he was telling Mary, now you can't hold to me now. You can't hold me back from this mission. I love you, Mary. I love you, Mary. I'm not rejecting you. But I'm saying, you gotta, you got to let me go because I'm going to pour out my presence and I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Praise God. 
The first person privileged to preach the resurrection, the first evangelist, was a woman. It was Mary herself, Mary Magdalene. Don't tell me the Bible doesn't honor women. Don't tell me the Bible suppresses women. The first person to preach the gospel of the resurrection was Mary. Praise God. Jesus could have appeared first to the disciples, but he wanted them to hear Mary's testimony that she saw Jesus alive, and he wanted them to believe. God wants us to hear the testimony of others and believe their testimony about Christ. Listen, what happened when Mary came to the disciples? They dismissed it. They didn't believe her. They didn't believe her. But Jesus in his mercy still came to them. Thank God. They failed the test to believe the testimony of Mary. Jesus wanted them to believe. And later, he came to them. When he appeared to them, he, the first thing he did is it says he abraded them or he reproved them for their unbelief to believe the testimonies. But he still came to them. Praise God. That's the goodness of God. That's the mercy of God. He still came to them. Listen, when we hear and believe the testimony of others whose lives have been changed by Jesus, he will come to us in a clearer way than we've seen him before. Will you believe the testimony of Jesus in this place today? The Spirit of God is here agreeing with the Word of God about the Son of God. Will you agree with the testimony of Jesus in this place today? Or will you be like the disciples and say, no, I, I need to see for myself. I don't believe it. If you do believe, he will come to you in greater ways. He always responds to faith. When we believe him just a little bit, he gives us more of himself. We believe him a little more, he gives us more. And he says, keep on going. You're in the right track. Keep believing me. Keep trusting me. I want to show you more of myself. Praise God. See what he told Mary to tell the disciples. I'm ascending to the Father and your Father. To my God and your God. The resurrection made Jesus' Father their Father. The resurrection made Jesus' God their God. Personal. As close as Jesus is to the Father, that's what he's done for us by the resurrection. So we can be close to the Father. He's not just Jesus' Father, Jesus' God. He's my God. He's my Father. That's what he's done by the resurrection. Praise God. This was for them, to join them to God, as close to God as Jesus. John 20, 24 says, Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. I skipped the portion where Jesus came and appeared to his disciples. And he said, Peace to you. And he said, Don't be afraid. It's me. He appeared to his disciples, but there was only ten, because Judas was gone and Thomas wasn't there. I don't know if Thomas was like five minutes late when Jesus appeared and then left, but Thomas missed it. He missed Jesus' first appearance. On the very same day that he appeared to Mary in the morning, he appeared to the disciples in the evening. Verse 25, Then the other disciples therefore said to him, or said to Thomas, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. 
Well, we look at Thomas and we think, man, Thomas, what is your problem? You're such a, a doubter. We always hear about doubting Thomas. Thomas, you're such a doubter. Well, how could you not believe? You got, you got your other uh, ten, 10 disciples, people you've walked with. In three years of ministry, you've seen the same miracles. You've had the power of God in your life, in their life. You've seen it. You know these are men of truth. Thomas, why wouldn't you believe? You saw them go from being so downcast, so discouraged at the death of Christ, at their own failure to stand with him, about running away from Jesus in his greatest hour. You saw them. You felt it too. And now you've seen their joy, Thomas. How could they fake this? You've seen them go from great sorrow and depression and discouragement to great joy. The last time you saw it, we were together, you were all mourning, and now they're all rejoicing. Thomas, why can't you believe? Why do you say that you won't believe unless you see for yourself and touch for yourself? Why do you say this, Thomas? Have you ever been frustrated with another believer that it's like you're seeing Jesus, you're, 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 you're seeing Jesus work in your life and, and they, you've seen him work in their life before, but now they're going through a tough season and they're struggling to believe or maybe they're just ready to walk away? Have you ever felt that frustration? I think Mary felt that with the disciples. She went to all 11 of them, Right? She went to all 11 of them, and none of them believed her. She had to be frustrated with their unbelief. And now the disciples have seen Jesus, except for Thomas, and they had to feel frustrated with Thomas. Thomas, come on. What's the matter with you, man? Don't you believe us? We saw him. Mary saw him. Nope, I won't believe. Let's not be too hard on Thomas. What if Thomas thought, why did Jesus not wait to show, if Jesus really rose from the dead, why would he leave me out? Why wouldn't I get to see him resurrected like the others? I believe Thomas was struggling with a feeling of rejection. I believe Thomas was feeling, uh, struggling with believing the love of Christ. Like Jesus I mean, maybe he was 10 minutes away. He was walking to, the, to where they were meeting. Okay, I'm going to be with the disciples. They, he gets there and he's like, hey guys, what's up? They're like, we saw the Lord. He's alive. And he's like, what? You're kidding me. And then he's like, why? No, I can't believe this. I believe that many Christians struggle with unbelief because people around them are seeing Jesus or have seen Jesus, and they haven't seen Jesus in a long time. And to him, to them, it's like he's still dead. And they feel this rejection. They think, the devil says, see the Lord, he, he loves the other disciples. He doesn't love you. And there's this sense of rejection. My friend, I want to tell you something. If you're Thomas, and you see all these other believers, there's people in your family, people in the church, and they're like, man, God is so good. He showed me this today. He just he gave me a revelation from his word. I saw Jesus. It's incredible. And you're like, yeah, not me. I haven't seen him like that in a long time. I understand your unbelief. I understand your struggle. But be like Thomas. I believe Thomas did the right thing. You know what he did? He stayed with them for the whole for another eight days until Jesus appeared to him too. He didn't leave church. He didn't leave these people that were saying, I've seen Jesus, and say, well, look, forget it. Jesus doesn't love me. I don't believe it. 
I'm leaving. No, he stayed in the place where Jesus was testified about. He stayed in the house of God. Do you understand that? Just keep pressing in. You may say, I come to the altar and I pray and I don't hear. Jesus doesn't speak to me. I'm not seeing anything. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. He's going to reveal himself to you. He will reveal himself to you. Praise God. And if, my friend, you're one of those disciples that's seen Jesus and, and you're on the mountaintop and everything is amazing, Jesus is speaking to you, you open his word, it's like life, life, it's coming off the page, you're, you're getting revelation of Jesus, praise God. Don't let anyone take your joy. Testify about it. Tell others about it. But be patient with the one who's struggling. Be patient with the one that's saying, I won't believe unless I, I, I see I won't believe. I won't believe. I'm just, I just be patient. And I want to say to all you Thomases out there, anyone that hears this message on the internet or however, the church needs you. Thomas, the church needs you. Come back into the house of God. Come back with that little broken faith that you have. Come back into the house of God and Jesus will show himself to you. He will reveal himself to you. The fire that you once experienced that now you say, was it really real? It's real. Come back. The church needs you. Even in your struggle, even in your broken faith, the church needs you. Jesus is saying, come back, Thomas. And if there's a female name for Thomas, I don't know what it would be. But he's saying to the female Thomases, come back. I love you. I have life for you. I will reveal myself to you. Praise God. Praise God, the church needs the Thomases. We need them. And Thomases need the church. Praise God. You know what? The Lord gave me that at 9.20 this morning in the shower. I was clapping. I was shouting. I was saying, praise God, Lord. The church needs the Thomases. I love God's timing. You know, now I just, I'm not anxious about my sermons anymore. I'm just like, well, he'll, get, he'll tell me what he wants to. I mean, I'll prepare Saturday and I'll seek God, but he's going to show me what he wants to show me. If it's in the shower, if it's in my bed, wherever. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. This is seven days after the first appearance or, or eight days after the first appearance of Christ to the disciples and Mary. And Thomas was with them. Thomas must have been like, I'm not missing it this time. If he's coming back, if he's going to reveal himself alive, I'm not going to be absent. I'm not going to be down getting water. I'm not going to be down at the, at the market. I'm going to be there. And my friend, if you're a Thomas like that, and you're saying, when the church is open, I'm going to be there. I'm not going to be that person that hears, oh, Sunday night prayer meeting was amazing. It was so great. God's presence fell. Ah, oh, I missed it. No, Thomas is like, I'm going to be there. Thomas was there, and it says, the doors being shut, Jesus stood in their midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Thomas, do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. You see the mercy of God that he, even in Thomas's stubborn unbelief, he appeared to him. Why? Because Thomas may have been struggling with unbelief, but he kept coming. He didn't walk away. He kept coming. 
to the last place Jesus was seen. Praise God. Verse 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. That's us, friends. We haven't had a physical vision, a seen Jesus with our eyes. We haven't seen him like they did. Jesus said, Thomas, more blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. How have we believed? By the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit granting us faith to believe a God we've never seen physically. Opening the eyes of our heart to see him by the Spirit. I might tell you something, friends. I've seen Jesus. I'm not talking about a, 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 a vision or a manifestation or even seeing his face in a dream or a vision. I have seen his revelation to my heart by the Spirit again and again, and I'm hungry and I'm thirsty to see him more. And he wants to show himself to every one of us, not to pastors only, to every one of his children. Who did he choose first? He didn't choose the apostles. He chose Mary. He chose Mary. God might show you, he might reveal himself to one of you more than me, because why? You love him more. He reveals himself to those that love him. So do you want a greater revelation of Jesus? Well, friend, just love him more. Worship him more. Don't do more works for him. I'm not saying more works. Worship him more. And your works will flow from your worship. And your works will be full of power and the weight of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Blessed are those who've not seen and yet have believed. Jesus showed himself alive for 40 days after his resurrection to over 500 people. And then he ascended to the Father. But blessed are you who have not seen and yet believe. John 20, 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. What kind of life comes by believing? The same life that came into Jesus' dead body in that cold tomb on the third day. The resurrection life of the Father. Faith in the Son of God is what saves us from eternal death and resurrects us with Christ. What does he say to do? Become religious, do a bunch of works, prove yourself to God? No, he says believe. Believe on the Son of God and you'll have life. Resurrection life. Do you ever look at this world and wonder, how, and wonder at how broken, how twisted it is. All the hate and the hurt, the wars and the crimes and the destruction come from one man's sin. Our first father, Adam, became the representative for all humanity, and he failed. Just as you receive physical traits in your genetics passed down from your parents, your grandparents, and going back, you received a broken and a sinful nature passed all the way down to you from the first Adam. You may not have seen any event happen. I don't think anyone has. But man, it doesn't take too long before that little one and a half year old is screaming like bloody murder, showing that they've got Adam's nature in them, the first Adam, right? Maybe before one and a half. Thank God that Jesus came as the second Adam. And not the second Adam like there will be a third, but the last Adam to restore what the first Adam lost, to break the curses on you by becoming a curse for you and for me on the tree. 
Praise God. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Jesus went to the cross to let you and I drive the nails into his hands and then to take our curse, that old, that old sinful, wicked, depraved nature of Adam, and to curse it, to take the curse from us so that we could be a blessing, so that we could receive his blessing and be a blessing to others. Praise God. Colossians 2.15 says another thing Jesus did at the cross was he spoiled the principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it or in the cross. Jesus defeated the power of darkness in your life at the cross. Glory to God. Do you feel like your life is cursed? Come to Jesus. He became a curse for you. Do you feel like the devil is pounding your life? Come to Jesus. He broke the powers of darkness at the cross. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Son of God was not the only one who was crucified, buried, and risen on the third day. All who were to become his brothers and sisters by faith were also slain at Calvary with him. Buried in death and raised to new life. That's right, I said, with him. Jesus was not alone on the cross. Colossians 2, 12 through 13 says, Buried with him in baptism. Who? Us, believers. Wherein also you are risen with him through faith in the operation of God, whom God has raised from the dead. Verse 13 says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has quickened or resurrected together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So he's saying in your past life, you were bound by sin. You were a slave to sin. You were dead in sin. He says he's taken that and he's put it on the, Christ, on the cross with Christ. He took your curse. He took your sin. He took your sin nature. He took your guilt and, your, and everything, your punishment on himself. And not only were, is, was our second or our first Adam nature crucified with Christ, but we are resurrected in his likeness. We are resurrected with Christ. My friend, we can't spend too much time talking about take up your cross, take up your cross, take up your cross without also saying you're resurrected with Christ. You're risen with Christ. Just as you're with him in, at the cross, he took you upon himself and you're with him in his resurrection. Glory to God. Romans 6. I'm going to read some of these verses here. I want you to look at that we are united with Christ, that his work was not a solitary work, it was a united work. He took the church with himself to the cross and in the resurrection. Listen, this is Romans 6, 5. It says, for if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Praise God. Now if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Glory to God. We're not to live this, this Christian life in the strength of the first Adam, but in the power of the second and the last Adam. By the power of the Holy Spirit working in our new nature, resurrected with Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 10 says, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. 
You can't die to sin in your own strength. He died to sin for you. He died to sin once for all. In the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also count yourselves, consider yourselves, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Why? Because he took it to the cross. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are alive to God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Verse 14, for sin will not have dominion or power over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Glory to God. Romans 7, 4. It says, therefore, my brethren, you've also become dead to the law through the body of Christ. What else have we died to? We've died to sin. We've died to the first Adam. But we've also died to the law. In other words, the law as a means to be right with God. The law as a means saying, you do this and you'll live. Don't, you, know, you do this, this wrong thing and you'll die. He's delivered us from being married to the law so that we could be married to Christ. Listen to this. Therefore, brethren, you become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you might be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit unto God. Glory to God. You want fruit in your life? So does Jesus. You want good Christian fruit in your life? So does God. Guess where it comes from? From your union to Christ. We're married to Christ. We abide in Christ. We're married to him that is resurrected from the dead. And he has taken us into resurrection life in himself. And we will bear fruit for God. Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ, but I don't stay dead. He said, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live how? By trying harder? By trying to be a good Christian? No, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isaiah 25, 8, speaking of the cross, says he will swallow up death in victory. He will swallow up death in victory. Listen, Christian friend, Christianity is not just a ticket rescuing you from hell and bringing you to eternal life in heaven so that when you die, you're in heaven and you receive eternal life. It is that, but it's so much more. Eternal life is now. It's now. It begins the moment you believe in Christ. You're buried with him, you're crucified with him, and you're resurrected with him. And you're going to start bringing forth fruit to God. Be patient. You just keep coming. You just keep coming to Jesus. He's going to bring forth fruit out of your life. Why? Because he's given you a new nature. Why did that person keep sinning, keep sinning? They're living in the old nature. It's the nature. You can't, you can't change the nature. Nature's got to die. So he killed the old nature, that first Adam nature, and he's given us a new nature in Christ, a resurrected nature that can please God. And it brings forth fruit of a completely different kind. We're wrong when we're trying to change people externally and say, oh, we got to change them, change us. No, they need to die. They need their old nature to die on the cross with Jesus so that they can receive a new nature. And then the fruit will change. Then the actions will change. Praise God. Hosea 13, 14 says, I will ransom or redeem them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. You were dead in your sins, headed toward hell. So was I. But he says, I will redeem, I will rescue them from the power of the grave. Not just the final grave, the, the, uh, the death of the body, but the death of the flesh. I will redeem them from death. And then he says, oh death, I will be your plagues. 
O grave, I will be your destruction. Glory to God. Jesus, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, his body was already decaying in the grave. When the resurrection power of the Father came upon him, the life of God reversed the curse. It reversed death. It overcame death. And every cell became alive. Praise God. John 6.40, and I'm closing with these last two verses. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son... Remember Thomas, he's like, I, I got to see. Ask the Lord to open the eyes of your faith. Ask him to give you spiritual sight. I'm not, you're not going to see a physical manifestation of Jesus, but he can open your eyes to see. This is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, that resurrection life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let me ask you today, have you seen the Son? Do you believe in him? And John 5, 24, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word, you're hearing it today, and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. Praise God. It's time to pass from death to life. Believe today. Believe today. If you are still in death, Jesus is saying, it's time. It's time to believe on me. Come to me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life, to die on a sinner's cross and to be raised again the third day by the power, your power. And I thank you, God, that this wasn't just a solitary act of the Son of God, but that he included us in it, that everyone that believes in him would not only experience victory over the old first nature, but they would, they would experience the life, the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, and that we could bear and bring forth fruit unto you. Thank you, Father, that you've taken us out of the kingdom of darkness. You've translated us into the kingdom of your dear Son. God, we bless you today. We praise you today, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you today to believe, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, to believe that your old nature is crucified with Christ and to believe that you have a new nature which is risen with Christ. Risen together with him. That's your life. What is the work of God? Just believe on him. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking for Jesus. And if you're a Thomas and you're saying, I haven't seen Jesus in a while, just keep coming. Keep pressing in. Keep being in the place where Jesus appears and he will reveal himself to you. And if you don't know Christ, I encourage you, come and talk to me after service. I would love to introduce you. Amen. God bless you. Happy Resurrection Sunday. God bless.